This episode is powered by Poddex. Hey, what up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to our te- another exciting episode of Talking Pop. It's the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise, of course. Joining me is my co-host with the most, Biko. Hello. Hey, guys, this is like episode 80 of the podcast. And like I said, I think this month was actually our three-year anniversary. <laughs> so we've been doing this for three years. And before we get on to today's episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you are a new podcaster or existing broadcaster like ourselves, and you want to look to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. Use our special promo code TALKPOP to get 10% off your first order. You know why? They're cool. These Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcasts. So simply shuffle up the cards like me and Beagle did, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com and make sure to use that promo code TALKPOP for 10% off your order. So that's it. It's as simple as that. And thanks to Poddex, uh, pretty much I pull, I shuffle the card and today, um, today's special episode, pretty much it's like a Desert Island game. I don't know if you, people are you're familiar with a Desert Island game. Biko, were you familiar with this game before or you heard of it? What? Desert Island game? No, well, yeah, it's just... Just to whatever regular problem you ask anybody with, like, well, the things you would take on a desert island, or if you only had, like, a limited supply of entertainment, what would you take with you kind of deal? It's like, it's like those questions you ask if you're stuck somewhere, like in an elevator or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I've heard this. I don't know. I thought you meant, like, in a board game or something. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, I think I always saw like once, like on TV, like at the office or something, they were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. It's, yeah, they do. Um, I guess they do that for icebreakers and shit. Like coworkers get to know each other. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Like I've done that at school a lot, like in college, not over there. Um, not necessarily in new jobs because I don't think they pay you enough to do that shit. You kind of just get to know each other as you, the, the shifts go by. But um, I never put too much emphasis on it because everything's changed, and I never know what to actually pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my go-to's, but. Uh, it just depends on what the person asks you. Um, I think it's funny, but uh, a lot of a lot of people I think don't factor in like the one thing I, th- I factor in a lot when somebody asks me when I take a desert island is how fast I am, how how prone I am to getting bored with something that I really enjoy. Because mm-hmm. you are gonna get bored. Only like, if people who took the office, the DVD set up the office, and they had a, if they're able to, if they're stuck on an island, they're able to watch. They only had a DVD player and a TV. And they're only able to watch The Office. How many times can you watch The Office? If you were, it's the only thing you had. If I, if I, if I had it, I can watch it. But like I'll watch. I mean, that shows like something you could watch over and over again. But I mean, I mean, yeah. After like certain amount of times, like it's the longest time. It's the longest time. I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah. If you're in that long, it's that's what you had as a way of entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like I can still watch it, but it depends because like. I'll see probably after like the seventh or eighth time, I think it will start getting to the point that you pretty much know everything on the show. So yeah, so like this game kind of kind of plays with that with your head pretty much, you know. And also too, like it's like you said, it's something that you like get to know people with, you know. Like you said, it's like an icebreaker or something like that. So that way you see, oh, sometimes you got you got things in common. That's another way to get to know people too, because like they say the same thing as 
you know, somebody else is like, oh, you like that too? So it's like another way to like get to know people. It's like a good social game and stuff. But like I said, it's it really interesting because like I said, it plays the mind. I don't think I had the fortune of playing it before because I, I never heard of it. Because I think The Office is the only time I ever heard of the Desert Island game. So that's like the first time I ever heard that. And the way they did it on that show was like pretty funny as hell because at least everyone got to know each other. And like I said, like it's like an icebreaker and... Sometimes you guys have something in common, and there you go. Um, so that's going to be today's episode, pretty much Desert Island Games. So me and Beak are going to do one. Um, before we get into that, there's some interesting news that came up over last week that we want to get through before, real quick before we jump into it. Um, the biggest news, I think, that pretty much shook like everyone last week was um, Edgar Wright actually announced that, and Brian, Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of Scott Pilgrim, announced in honor of the 10th anniversary of the Scott Program Fret film, um, Ubisoft is going to re-release Scott Program vs. the World, the video game, Complete Edition, for pretty much all current-gen consoles and PC this coming holiday season. They haven't said a date yet, but they started releasing the first trailers for it. You know, for us, it's like, I got it, that game back in for the 360 when that film came out. And like they said, the most most recently got delisted about 2014, and people were craving for it, and because you know the 10th anniversary of Scott Program versus the World film and all yeah. that, uh, people were craving for the game to come back. And of course, you know Edgar Wright and Bradley O'Man were trying to push Ubisoft to see if they can get that push. And after many discussions and being pressured by social media, Ubisoft obliged and decided, you know what, we released the game. What's cool about it is it's going to look the same as you were playing on. On PS4 or Xbox One or Switch or PC. What's cool about that is um, they're adding two more, they're adding all the DLC that was included with it, like the add ons and everything. So it has like mini games and stuff based on the trailer. And then you get to play as Wallace Wells and uh, Knives Chow. So you get to play other characters as well. So, and then I was, I think comic.com put like an article on it, um, the tips and play for people that said that the number one thing is play with friends because it's more fun. Because I said it's like a, like, it's kind of like a tribute to like the, the arcade beat em ups. So it's like if you ever played the only those like Switch or Rage or something like that. Yeah, or like fun. the four button smash. Button res- button mashers, yeah. yeah. Those are always fun. Well, it was good when it first came out, at least because it came out right when the movie did, and it was good to play by. And if people weren't familiar with the animation style that it was coming from, uh, I think it gave it gave you like new fans a chance to well not only be able to play a fun game, but um, sorry, a little bugger. And um, mm-hmm. there's also a chance for people to maybe check out the books, um, maybe see the movie again uh, if they liked it so much. I, I like it to do it on a 10-year release, uh, and it's it's I don't know from back noticing what they do if if this is like an uptick in popularity. I'm sure they've been doing this throughout the decades when they do like 10-year anniversaries of things, mm-hmm. but I've never seen it getting like this of a theater this much of a theater release press again. It's like I guess they're doing. I've seen it more happening in cult classics. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Like I'm not saying like popular mainstream titles like blockbusters don't get pushed up to it. They get those like 25th anniversary screenings or shit like that or re remasters things like that. But um, it's nice to see cult classics are getting a chance to uh, kind of get another another opportunity to throw themselves in the ringer and get more people in. Uh, mm-hmm. who who may have not liked or like who've seen the trailers 
Yeah. And maybe he's like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, uh, another movie I want to say with, like, Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise, when I, when I saw the trailers, I'm like, oh, it, it looks just aligned with the other ones. But I hear a lot, like, it's actually a really good movie. Mm. That, that get, yeah. It didn't, I mean, it did make decent money in the box office, but it's one that ended up being, like, a really cool sci-fi classic, like, that, that cult classic for people. Um, kind of like Groundhog Day. But, yeah, so, but with Scott Pilgrim getting another chance, I think that's pretty cool. Like, and I think what kind of piqued their interest too was like Edgar Wright, like he's already to the point he wants to go back into that world yeah. and possibly doing it as an anime because like I said, the film, to me, I enjoyed the film. I read the graphic novels and it kind of, you know, the, the film had to like take some of the important parts from the graphic novels and there's so much backstory and so many characters that didn't make an appearance in the movie at all. Um, only mentioned by name only, that was it, but you didn't get much of that backstory, which... Honestly, it's like, not, not, I mean, even the main crew, like Sex Bomb, hardly got any backstory. Because if you go back to the graphic novels, you can see, you know, what Stephen Stills was doing, what, um, you know, Kim Pine was doing, you know, how she had to deal with her bullshit roommates and stuff. And then, you know, somebody from Scott Perkins past makes an appearance. And it's like, from the high school days, it's like, you know, we didn't get to see that. I well, mentioned my name. Um, and you see that characters get more developed over the, the six volumes that the, the series was collected in. Um, and of course, you know, the video game itself, it's like you see that art style. And like I said, Bradley Man, like his art style is great and everything. And like I said, I like that the game kind of adapted that art style and just to pay homage to him. And I'm glad that he was able to, you know, him and Edgar Wright were teaming up just to get this game coming back. And like I said, Edgar Wright right now, there's like rumors right now that he's, well, not rumors, like he's interested right now to actually go back into the world of Scott Program, even as an anime series, because that with all that stuff that wasn't included in the film, you have enough material to do like an actual, probably like a 26 episode episodic um, series, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of backstory you can add on. But having him, the creator, him, I'll say having Edgar Wright, and my, you know, the creator Scott Program, Edgar Wright, the director, being as producers and showrunners, be great to get like an animation studio. Maybe like Toei or Madhouse or like Anaplex, any of those big studios to animate it. They can do it in that same style. And, you know, even to the point where it can be in Japanese, that's fine. Or get an outside studio like Studio Mir or I forget what it was, Studio Perot in Japan who did the artwork, who helped out with like Legend of Korra or Studio Mir that helped out with, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, that style as well. And to make Scott Program do like an anime stuff because, like I said, they got so much backstory to can add to each of the characters. It gives each character time to get their own little arc, get the character on it. It'd be great to see like the, the actors from the films reprise their role when voiceover. And plus, you can see the fleshed out, you know, each WX is because, like I said, the film you always see them for a little bit. It'd be kind of cool if they were able to stretch out the flashbacks even more. Yeah. To see why, you know, remote, you always see brief little glimpses of it in the comic, in the graphic novels. In a film too, like why Remember broke up with them and who they were before. Like I like sometimes like with animes they do like like the flashbacks or callbacks of why they became this person, why who they became who they are. And it's usually influenced by something else. But like I said, hopefully with this game coming out, it says it's holiday season, so there's not even a set date. I'm assuming probably November, December, which I'm looking forward to it. That'd be kinda of cool to to get. Like if you haven't played if you guys remember playing it for the first time it'd be great, or like Right now with the pandemic, right now, who knows how this pandemic is, is a good way couch thing with your friends or something or your siblings, you know. Couch, you know, couch play, you know. Co-op. I said it's the best way to play it. You can do, and it says you can do locally or online. 
should be a cool game to play with your buddies. So definitely check it out. That's like one of the things that I saw this past week that you know we had to mention because, like I said, I love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I like the film and I like the graphic novel. So I'm really excited that they're going to release the game coming out of this holiday season. And one thing too, on a sad note, that is to say um, we lost a great actress over the weekend, um, Diane Rigg, mm-hmm. um, who was a former you know Bond girl. Um, she was also, if you remember, she was in Game of Thrones. Um, she did a lot of, she was an actress, you know, stage and play, before moving on to movies. I kind of remember her a little bit from the Muppets, uh, the Great Muppet Caper. She's, people are surprised she was in there. She was, um, Lady Holiday. She was like the fashion mogul that Miss Piggy was trying to get a job with. That was her, actually. And then she made an appearance in Game of Thrones. I'm like, holy shit, I know who she is. So, you know, condolences to her family, you know, you know. Since we're living in those times where a lot of your famous icons, you know, only live once. But, you know, like I said, condolences to the, the family of Diane Riggs. Definitely check out her works in the past. Like I said, she's done, she has a great, you know, film history. Like I said, I just recognize her from Game of Thrones and, you know, my great Muppet Caper. She was in there for a while. Um, other than that, um, uh, right now it looks like... Uh, with the third, and then also this past weekend we had the third, fifth anniversary of Super Mario. Mm. And of course, Nintendo announced like a lot of things, like they announced Mario 3D All Stars, which will be like a HD, I'll say remaster of Super Mario 64, um, Super Mario Sunshine, and pretty much Mario Galaxy. Basically, you're getting like the three first titles that were on those three systems, like 64, Mario 64 with you no know, 64. They had um, some Mario Sunshine for the GameCube and then Mario Galaxy for the Wii. Um, I know a lot of people were disappointed because of why they picked those three games, but I mean, Pico, that was like Super Mario 64 was like your first game for the 64. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that collection? Um, I don't, I don't, I, I'm really glad that they brought those to be playable on the Switch finally, um, and to have that. Uh, Get get more kids to experience N sixty four since nineties uh, stuff is going to be only going to be riding the nostalgia trail for probably within this next decade. We're going to see more stuff kind of get adapted from the nineties if we didn't already. Um, and I think it's cool that they kind of made this little bundle. But I I'm just it, I'm also just very critical of Nintendo continuing these kinds of practices where they want to where they want to limit whatever these these cherished type of games from their his their archive and every time they repackage these things and they only put it for limited time like why don't you just let these things just stay in the store like i, I think the bundle pack is cool but why don't they upload it so you can buy each one individually because some people might not like mario sunshine mm-hmm. some people might not like mario galaxy some people will only like the two of them some people might just not like N- the n64 one because they grew up playing sunshine because they have gamecube mm-hmm. so like it, it's cool that you have all three access, access to it, but um, to charge that price um, for three games that if you were if you've been around since then, then you, which you probably already own, like what's the point in getting it? I would say, but as like somebody who has a Switch, who that was like the portability. It, factor. Yeah, the portability factor is a big deal. Um, based on whatever your lifestyle is, I mean, people are commuting less these days, but it doesn't mean there's others who don't have a Switch and aren't commuting, commuting to wherever their lives lead. Um, but with that, like, I don't know. I just would rather have the, the option of getting the bolt individual choice 
because I I like Mario Sunshine. I don't love it. Mm -hmm. uh, the water pump thing is okay. It just kind of gets annoying after a while. You're just kind of like, why can't I just jump and do a bunch of cool shit and jump on stuff? Like this is not this is fun. I I, I see what you guys are doing, but I get it. That's uh, I wasn't particularly fond of it, but that's because I had Super Mario Bros. 64. Like that was my shit. Um, so to, to have it, cool. It's I think it's awesome that you get to play all those anywhere you want. And just the whole limited time thing is stupid. I'm sure they'll bring it back later on. Maybe they're just trying to see what they can garnish over the holiday, the holiday season, and they're gonna see if people are gonna be spending their money on more electronic like more digital content as opposed to getting physical items at a store or something yeah it's like kind of sad because it's like yeah. now like with GameStop too like we went to a GameStop recently it's like that was like my first part in the GameStop in a long time mm. so um because now what because that's what's going on it's like more people are buying digitally than actual physical I mean like stores like that like GameStop like right now they announced like they're gonna close like 400 more stores it's mm -hmm. like and of course, like I said, they're trying to close the other women's stores. They're trying to rebrand. It's like it's kind of hard because it's like GameStop tries its best to evolve with the current marketplace, but it's like mostly people right now, it's like digital. And like I said, and like going to GameStop, I <laughs> end up just getting um because I have a Switch. And it's like you know, I went in there, I end up getting like I end up getting a My Hero Academia hat, which I'm wearing right now. Of course, it's audio, but. It's because you get like certain things you can't get anywhere else. So we'll have like certain pop culture merch you can get. You can get a game style you can't get anywhere else. That kind of like draws people in. But at the same time, it's like I can get most of these games digitally. But mm -hmm. sometimes it's, I don't know, it's for me, I with the Switch, there's very few games I have physical. I think I got Pokemon Shield physical. And this game I bought was Tokyo Mirage um, Sessions. I ended up getting that one physical. But it's like. Most of the time, you can get them digitally, but I think it's like, you know, it's that age where pretty much when you were a kid and your mom had to like, you had to pretty much ask your mom or beg your mom, like pretty much go to a video game store or go to a Toys R Us or something just to get a video game because there wasn't that many game, you know, gaming stores catered to gamers. And like I said, you know, now when you got like Sony and Microsoft and Steam and Nintendo having their own stores... It kind of defeats the whole purpose of going to an actual store. Mm -hmm. Like the only thing that will urge you to go is like a safe and you need something quick right away. And of course you have the convenience of online shopping as well. The only time you can go to the game store is like if you need something right away or you bought a warranty with them. I think that's the only thing that takes away. Or like I said, if you want an in-person, you know, consultation or something. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's like we're getting this age. But I mean, the thing that I kind of like too, like sometimes, you know... If you go to like like those secondhand stores, like those retro game stores, which you gotta be lucky to find, you probably have that probably be something you probably go to if you're like a collector. I'll say yeah. that mean more appeal if you're like a retro game collector. That yeah, it, 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 those game those stores are more necessary if you're a retro game collector or you're building like your own little museum in your basement or something, and you want to you know show your kids like hey this is what your dad played back in the day or something just to show your kids hey the struggles and stuff just to get you gaming while well, now in this day and age it's more convenient. Yeah, and the only thing you just gotta worry about is just getting more memory for your console, and pretty much with that. So it's like, versus back in the day, we didn't have memory cards or anything like that. Um, but the NES and like certain games with a chip built in, so they could give you the save feature. But once and usually those chips are powered by a watch battery, and once that watch battery goes, it's like you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. Then you gotta go open the cartridge, find the watch battery, replace it, and put it back again. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. So, like I said, 
when I tend to, like you said, Beagle, it's like pretty much, you know, I understand what the whole, you know, like, it, this will appeal to people who are nostalgic feeling, but it's like, it's more like people that have further portability. But if you have those games and you took care of your consoles, you can always, like, they always, have, they always sell adapters now. You can buy adapters now for your system, so they plug it to an HDTV now. Yeah. Which I've seen, like, a lot of, like, this replays or, like, any secondhand stores now. You can actually get the adapters for it. And, of course, emulators is another thing, but, of course, you're trying, like, your best that to do that. Um, another thing, too, it looks like um, earlier today, Disney Plus um, released the trailer for Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Oh, sure. And the funny thing is, I have not seen it. <laughs> Yeah, I might watch it. Yet. Because I'm gonna take the Beakle route and not watch it, not watch the trailer because I want to be surprised because it comes out at the end of next month. Oh, then yeah. So I'm like, I'm not in a hurry. I know people are talking about it, but I'm like, and Beakle brought up points like, it's they do so many trailers, it's like takes away your your anticipation to go. Unless you hear, that's why the internet's for now. It's like, oh, they they the trailer comes out, it's like, oh, that's the thing. It's like people, you want to be like surprised. So, yeah, that's one of the big things today. Uh, because you see anything else before we get started and uh, um, release uh, Desert Island game? You saw that was more noteworthy. <laughs> no, no, honestly, no, I haven't really, I haven't really been keeping up with the news. Uh, I've just been watching um, basketball, so I guess you can follow that. But uh, oh, one thing I do want to mention, guys, is I got Biko watching anime. Oh yeah. I made Biko. I started getting Biko into anime. <laughs> I'm not automatically into it. Alright, relax. I, I just, I like this specific property um, that I'm watching so far. Uh, but I'm not going to call myself a, uh, whatever, a weave or whatever you guys call it. I'm <laughs> not going to call myself that at all. It's just, one, I'm like a a person that's like on, on a vacation. I'm a tourist. I'm just a tourist. <laughs> just a tourist. Just a <laughs> tourist. Um, um, but I like it so far. Uh, it was a samurai shampoo. Um... Which is excellent. It's, it's got hip hop and samurai. It's my two favorite things. So, something that uh, I recommend watching. Obviously, uh, it's quick if you just watch it. You could probably watch it in like two days, or in a day if you can sit through it and got nothing else to do. Uh, but it's something that's uh, pretty good so far. It's it's not too not too cheesy. It doesn't get too campy. Um, it doesn't it doesn't come off kiddish because a lot of anime shows come off really kiddish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't come off like that at all, even though the actors or even though the characters are fairly young. Um, but it seems very adult. Uh, gives you history, culture. It's like, what else do I want? Um, but it's pretty good so far. So good. I, I'll see. I'll see if uh, if I can make it through, um, and we'll see if if like if you want to check something else out. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's like one of my recommendations, guys. Like, if you got like somebody who's not into it, but the one thing about anime, it's like this is like something that happened to me too because I was at that point like Biko, like back in the day, I got burned off by anime because I think when you get older, you're like, oh, this is for kids. Like, I got bored with it, you know. And then what brought me back in was Cowboy Bebop because it was like something that was adult. The music was great, the soundtrack, and of course, like the action sequences, the actors. It was like the voice actors is like. Holy shit, this is not your kid's anime. It's, like, really adult. They really touched a lot of subjects there. And, of course, like, Samurai Shampoo is my like, my second series following that because it's done by the same um, director, Sen- Senchiro Watanabe. Of course, um, right now, is his most recent work right now is um, Carol Tuesday. That's on Netflix. 
And what's cool about him, his writing style is pretty much to get you like to think as well. But he likes to build a good story around a soundtrack. So that's why he gets a lot of artists, a lot of musicians to you know to you know collaborate with the soundtrack. And like Cowboy Bebop has that like that jazz fusion, ask with a little bit of western, which is about buying hunters in space, mm-hmm. going after bounties and stuff. And with this case with Samurai Champloo, it's like a different version of of Japan, like during the Edo period, like an alternate version. But you have a little bit of that hip hop influence in there, which is kind of cool because even like the music itself kind of kind of blends in with that, like like Biko said, with the, with the samurai esque and like that type of feudal Japan type period, and like the transitions in that show kind of mix in with the music. So it's good to have like even the fighting sequences having that that kind of like that hip hop beat in the background. Kind of mix in, it does well with the fights, mm-hmm. and of course, like I said, and then like Carol on Tuesday, like I said, that's his most recent work right now, and that one's about. And the funny thing is, a lot of people saying it does make a connection with um Kawabima because they use the same currency because it's used to grow two girls on Mars that pretty much come from different backgrounds, but their desire or common interest is music. Mm-hmm. So and it's kind of cool because a lot of the song titles of um, Carol Tuesday are all based on song titles. And it's cool because a lot of the transitions that um, he puts in, like since he puts in the transitions, um, he adds like the record, like the vinyl cover of the different songs. And it's kind of cool because a lot he puts a lot of influences from our artists and like musicians in there and those styles with the characters. So like I said, he, like his, like I said, his works are really great. Like I said, he likes to mix with a great story, good narrative, and like he likes to have a good accompanying soundtrack to his works. Like I said, it's just all about character development. So, yeah, check it out. That I'll say those are my top three picks. Like I will say those are I will say those are the three recommended animes to get your that's somebody that you know that has never seen anime. I will say, and they want a break from watching the same old shit all the time. They don't have to be a big anime fan, but. This is something like kind of like like Biko said, like a little vacation, like an escape from like watching the same old program, mm-hmm. like a little like like I said like a vacation, and that's like a way to get your friends like pretty much like I'll say these three since you don't watch Anabi's works definitely those three right now. Um, you can get um you can actually check out Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo. I believe they're available on Funimation now and Hulu, and like I said, Curl on Tuesday is available. That's his most recent work. It's available on Netflix. I actually watched. I'm like rewatching Samurai Champloo, so it's like a new thing for me because, like I said, I remember watching the first run was on Late Night in Tanami. Mm-hmm. So, the characters is the one I watched recently, and I enjoyed it, like the music and everything. Um, dub or sub, either way, works for both because it doesn't really change. So, it's like, but it's like, but I like for the fact that the same voice actor of, of Mugen is the same voice actor for Spike in Cowboy Bebop, so it's the same actor. <laughs> Because he has that grazily voice and it's like really cool and everything. So, to check that out. Okay. And that's, I'll say that's it for the news so far. Um, and now we get my anime recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Um, will you have a pro life tip before we get into this game? Oh, shit. If you have one for today or. I about that. Oh, <laughs> Sweet. This is perfect. Mm. Um, if, so when you're when you're surfing on a website, um, I don't know if you know this right now, if you're not surfing online through your web browser when, and you do not have any ad blockers or anything like that, uh, any tracker blockers, anyth- anything to protect you from um, all these incestuous uh, cookies and ad 
malware that, that takes your information, your data, grabs every time you visit a website, it, it's like, and it takes your data and they'll sell it off to different companies. But um, something that says, uh, so there's always, I think I've been on different websites where uh, it'll ask, it'll bring up this prompt saying that um, if you accept the cookies, because cookies are used to essentially track your location and all that stuff, and better to cater to show you ads that may be better for your interests, or and it also saves regular information. So it's it's kind of like AI built to recognize who you are, your surfing habits, make it easier, but it also takes a lot of sensitive information while it's doing that. And it's saying, like pro tip, you can de you can decline the acceptance of cookie pop-ups, um, and you'll still be able to. You can't, well, without having to accept, you can still be able to navigate to the site. The downside is, though, I don't like about it, is that he doesn't say which ones. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't, this only does not work on every site. Hmm. Um, so you have to, I would suggest definitely getting an ad blocker um, if you are Chrome users. Uh, uBlock Origin is free, it's an easy plugin to add. Um, and you can also do ad blocker that Google Chrome has, but obviously it's a little weary because Google is the one who's giving you this access to their add-ons on their own browsers. So there's always, I'm sure there's back channels to where they're kind of able to track that as well. So just be cautious of that. Um, and gosh, just surf, surf safe out there, people. Jesus Christ. Um, and also a funny other one thing, if, if you ever are going through something embarrassing, or, or you're, like you're thinking back and looking through embarrassing memory or, or you're having a cringy feeling. Somebody said just to play the Seinfeld theme over it. <laughs> what? Yeah. The Seinfeld theme? Yeah, really? Not... What, the transition theme oh, or just... ridiculous. Yeah, no, just the theme over it. <laughs> what the it's heck? embarrassing, I guess. It's stupid. What? Uh, but, yeah, other than that... <laughs> the it's... Seinfeld theme. <laughs> Those are my little tips. Oh, wow, that's funny. The Seinfeld theme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's that's like really interesting to the Seinfeld theme. All right, um, let's go ahead and get started with this um, game. So, like I said, this is like supposed to be the tied up. So we already got thirty minutes in already. So we'll see how we can get through it. I pretty much started on most of everything. I think I did. I did like movies, books, and music. I think that's what the, the cards suggested, but we can always have stuff later on too. I did like five things for each one. So. Jesus Christ. Dude, I write like stuff around, dude. <laughs> I, I write stuff down, so it's just like it's. Yeah, but five? Jeez, but. Alright. It's a lot. It's a lot to it, I mean, I did narrow it down, but I did like five for each just to see interesting things, like if, if you know. Oh, yeah. Because it's like. Because the card didn't mention, like, it just said movies, films, and books. It's like. No, films, movies, and music. Right. The films, books, and music. So it's like, I don't know if they meant, like, any particular one, but, I mean, I can give you my five things, but, like, what I got, uh, we'll, we'll start with, like, music. So I will say, if, if one, I did the five things I picked for my music, I will say my first choice would be uh, Metallica, like, their works. Mm-hmm. Cause so we'll get, full, we'll get full works of renderings or works of each person we pick, like artists or musician? Yeah. Right. So I've gained like, the Metallica collection of Pivey for me because it's like, you know, something different. Like, you know, I don't know. I've always been a fan of Metallica, you know? Yeah. Because my uncle Saul got me into Metallica. So it's like, 
I always credit him like to get me into like like the metal, like introducing me to metal. So that's one of the things I I would say that'd be the, like my number one choice. What would be your choice, Biko? Uh, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Yep. Easy stuff. I can't get sick of that stuff. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of I want to say since their music is mainly instrumental for a lot of electronic, I think I can't. That that's going to transcend transcend to the time periods. I don't think I could ever get sick of it. Um, and they have, it's pretty expansive to this day. I'll have the tran the yeah. I'm pretty sure it's pretty expansive to this day, so I wouldn't get bored. Um, it's like if some person put like Justin Bieber, how many albums that could have to where it's like mm-hmm. you can get sick of it and, like, to where you're only listening to like one left. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Def Punk would be one of them for sure. I will say my second choice would be Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. <laughs> because I mean, come on, Dave Grohl, man. It's like they 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 got so many good hits on there. You got Monkey Wrench. Uh, my hero, and then of course DOA is one of my sleeper hits. Like I, I like from uh, that one album for your honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, um, the Pretenders, a good one, and you know, oh, wasn't the one they did. Um, dang, I said Monkey Ranch wasn't one of my favorites. Um, oh, what was that one song? The best of you is a good one. I always enjoy that track as well. And like I said, and this is a guy who pretty much like Dave Grohl, you know, coming from Nirvana, like decided to go into like being just a drummer. But hey, he can sing, play guitar. I would say he's like more like a good utility player right there because he's been to so many collaborations with our artists and stuff. Because he did like, he played drums for like Queens of the Stone Age for some point for a little bit just to help them out when he needed help. And I think he did it for like No One Knows that one track he collaborated with that. He played the drums for that song. I don't know if he did it for the rest of them, but I think he did it for that song particularly. But that'll be my number two choice for music. What about you, Biko? Uh, number two... God damn it. It's because... Uh, oh, the Stones. I'd pick the Stones. The Stones? Yeah, it's easy. Um, Over almost six decades of stuff, they're still going crazy, still going good. Uh... And their their catalog expands all different types of. Uh, they keep it fresh because it's not always the same same sound throughout the years. You can see their their growth and uh, dealing with different uh, multiple members leaving the band uh, throughout the years, but only having Jagger and Rich or Keith Richards there the whole time kind of helped at least keep their signature sound there while exploring different uh, different styles that they like to listen to, uh, which is what I always like to hear in artists, or what I see, like to see in artists. I don't like this kind of stick in a bubble type of thing, because it doesn't, it's not what artistry is. You're supposed to, it's a reflection of life, and you're supposed to challenge your your perceptions and, and learn. And I think Stones would be something that I would love to listen to uh, on when it's those sunny, hot-ass days, but because you're on an island. But yeah, I'd pick the Stones. Okay. Uh, number three, I went with Nirvana. <laughs> Oh god, alright. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was around when the grunge movie was, like, yeah, but it's like, I didn't get into Nirvana, like I said, until I was in my 20s. So I didn't get into after, until my 20s. Credit to Rock Band, <laughs> the video game, because they had some Nirvana tracks on there. I mean, I was familiar with them a little bit. Um, because it was not like, when you listen to rock, it was like another version of rock. Yeah. It's another genre of rock, like you got punk, you got, you know, alternative. You got metal, you got new metal, um, you got classic, and you got the hard hit, you got stadium rock. 
or you got the long hair boy band, long hair rock as well, like ballads and stuff. What what, what set like the Nirvana for part of it, they were the pioneers of grunge, because you know it was a sound that pretty much was a way of saying you're trying to push issues across, but in, in that tone would pretty much you know you can complain about stuff you want, but as long as you got a, a good like beat to go with it. And kind of like Kurt Cobain, like, most of his stuff was pretty much, you know, like, issues that he had. He was suffering, you know, personally. And he was trying to share as much as he can with the world, you know. It just sucks that he took his life, but it's like... But he, uh, at least he was able to leave as a gift, you know, stuff to pretty much, you know... It was like a way that, you know, going like a little bit against authority a little bit, based on the songs, like, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit or, like, In Bloom. And like Lithium is another good one, of course. Um, and of course, uh, my favorite album from them is The Unplug in New York. It was all like acoustic set. It was really that bad too because there were some songs on there. I don't think they're on their other albums. It was only on that because that was like the biggest like when MTV decided the whole Unplug thing. Oh yeah, that was Nirvana, great. Nirvana was a good one. That was like the biggest one. It's a really good one. That's a really good one. So I enjoyed that one a lot because it was like it was also because it was Kirk Cobain one of his final appearances was for that was for Unplugging New York so definitely check that out guys like that's something you should listen to just to get the whole vibe and like I said the songs they had the song collection did it just for that performance it's really good so that was, that'll be my number three uh three for me would be in 1975 it's a little bit similar to the songs uh but in in other words, they, but they experiment so so much based on whatever influences them and what they've liked that that I can't get bored with them. Uh, when I would I don't think I'd be able to be on an island and not be able to have access to listening to their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that for sure, uh, definitely that that would be on there. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Death Punk. Nice five stones. Okay. Yeah. I, I know what next year. Uh. I'm pretty much, as you can see so far, my theme has been all rock, because I don't know why I'm... Uh, that's like one music genre I can never get bored of. Um, the next one would be Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix? Oh, yes, yeah. Jimi Hendrix. I would go with Jimi Hendrix for a while, because his guitar playing was phenomenal at the time. He was a young man. Um, he dug like so many styles of music he's done, but it's always just a guitar riff. I think he kind of like was one of the big out there. Like I would say Carlos Santana would be an honorable mention as well. Because both him and Jimmy, you know, they were one of those ones where as long as you they always wanted to show their guitar, but at the same time, they're always getting it accompanied by somebody. And come on, Jimmy Harris playing the national anthem? Come on. That's <laughs> freaking awesome. He was able to do that. And, of course, you know, Purple Haze, one of my favorite songs, Along the Watchtower, Voodoo Child. Um, this Fire is not like the Fire ones too. It wasn't a really good one that I first well, but I think my favorite one is Purple Haze. is my favorite one of all the Jimmy Hendrix hits. And I think they did like, was it like a couple months ago, they did like an anniversary release of one of his performances. I forgot what it's called, but it's on Spotify. I was able to find it. And it was kind of cool. It was like a lot of the live performances by Jimmy hmm. of his um, hits. I forgot what it's called, but it's on uh, Spotify. I think the most recent one they released. Um, yeah, I'll be like my number four because honestly, like Jimmy, you know? <laughs> No, yeah, that's it's good. Um, Jimmy. Uh, so for, I want to say for me, my fourth, I'll throw in. Uh, I want to say Biggie Smalls, because <laughs> uh, he's my favorite rapper of all time. Mm. Um, and I, it's rap. I, I need to have some rap there. 
I had to give myself enough variety to where like I don't want to get sick of that only those things and then to to cater to different moods that I'm feeling based on how many days I'll be there. Um, but yeah, I want to say Biggie Smalls. I mean, it's, it's one of these ago. I think in my opinion, it's a go. That's just me. All right, number five. Um, because I listened to them a little bit when I was um, graduating from, I'll say middle school. I'll say. Um, Green Day. <laughs> it's honestly, come on. I mean, Green Day. Pretty much everyone grew up in the anyone that grew up in the nineties. Green Day, of course. I mean, they had so many big hits, of course. And when I graduated eighth grade, you know, one, "Time of Your Life" was our graduation song, which was funny because coming going to like freaking Catholic school was kind of interesting. And then nonetheless, used like Green Day, yeah. and you know they were cool with it, but. That song is not bad because it's like almost like um, you're saying goodbye with your friends and like a reunion song or something. They just saying goodbye or something, but we'll see each other again, you know. Um, of course, um, Basket Case is a good song as well. Um, Holiday, um, Boulevard, Broken Dreams. Of course, if you really want to go through, I mean, the American Indian album, um, Jesus Suburbia, is like the longest song <laughs> I've ever seen them because there's so many different parts. But I like the fact they. I don't know if they were trying to compare do a comparative religion to that song, but it's like it was an interesting song. It was like one of the longest songs ever, and and a lot of their stuff get got added to like soundtracks and stuff too, so like films and so on. They always company for different films and everything. So yeah, that'd be the number five would be like Green Day. Like I said, for as you can see, basically my thing was all rock, but it depends on certain. Like you said, because do bring up a point like whatever mood that you're in. So that's why with me, it's I'm even though I'm rock, but. Depends like what, what kind of mood I'm in. Yeah, it really does. So what would be like your number five? Uh, number five is Dead Mouse. Um, I'm gonna have another electronic because uh, it's yeah, it's Dead Mouse. Um, I can never get sick of his stuff. Um, even after almost almost eleven years or something of hearing him, mm-hmm. or twelve years, Jesus Christ. Uh, I think he still keeps going, and it still reminds me how much I love. Uh, how much I love his production and how much he inspires and just continues to challenge it and doesn't necessarily go uh, and he just talks shit so much about the mainstream it's hilarious but uh, yeah I, I just love his the layer he puts on his sounds just everything and it's gonna give me something I want to dance to that, that that's not Daft Punk mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I don't know. Those are, I can't, like, I think I picked artists for sure that I can't, I'm not going to get sick of. I'm not going to sick of no matter what. Uh, I think the first person I'd probably get sick of listening to, uh, I don't know, I don't think I would be getting sick. No. I don't know. Now, ranking, I don't know. I wouldn't want to rank it, but, I don't know, some people back to it, or some people would take Taylor Swift with them. Like, I don't know. I don't want. If I'm stuck on a desert island, I want to listen. I don't want to necessarily listen to only sad shit the whole time. That's probably why I didn't. Ta- I didn't put like another like a, like more of a folky or acoustic, like sound like the sound. But mm-hmm. I think after the song, because songs have a couple sad songs, but not really. They're more of like retrospective. Um, but yeah, I didn't want all that sadness because you're already stuck in a desert island. Your life can't get any more worse. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's my music stuff. Okay, uh, next one, like before we go on break, let's see if we can get to the books real quick before we go on an uh, ad break. Um, then we'll continue on. Uh, for books, I did, like I said, I did five again. <laughs> the five books? Oh, yeah. Fuck, dude, I can't, I don't, oh, I, don't I can't narrow that down. Not books for me, but you can ask me. 
Let me see your books. Okay, for my first choice, uh, first uh, book I have listed on my list, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, the film. That uh, looks great. I mean, the film. Uh, the book's good. The film could have been better. But the book is really great because I like for the fact that it's like, it's like from coming from his perspective. So it's like, a, it's a pretty much an alternative take of, um, of American history, basically. It's like a what if type of thing. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because it's like a way to engage the reader and pretty much, you know, what happens if, if and of course, picking Abraham Lincoln, which there have been so many stories about him in the past, like he used to wrestle or something. There's one story where he was a wrestler, he did like amateur wrestling. Um, and they decided to take this take. It's just basically like Lincoln, like an alternative take on Abraham Lincoln. Like basically, his family got attacked by a vampire, and he pretty much trained his body and studying and everything just to pretty much that was like his thing when he wasn't like working at a store or studying law and you know before becoming president. That was like his secret hobby. Basically, he studied vampires, studied their movements. You know, built up an arsenal. To the point he had having a friend um, and a confidant was able to help him out as well. And to the point um, he ends up like, I don't want to get too much of the book, but it's a really good, definitely good read. Because it's like, sometimes the perspective, like it's coming from his perspective and who he, uh, the people he meets. But I like the fact that the author like took a lot of like, his, like historical figures around that time and tried to find a way to integrate into the story. Like I said, this is an alternative take on... Abraham Lincoln, like I said, taking a polarizing figure. And if you look at the cover of the book, it's Lincoln, like he's hanging uh, an axe behind his back and obviously a head of a vampire behind his back. So it's like definitely something to get you. I mean, the film, meh. The film isn't so fun. Even though the author wrote the screenplay for the film, like he tried to make it more exciting. Because I understand when you read this book, like it's, yeah, it's more like historical, but at the same time, it's like, it's it's interesting. It's just a graphic reader, but it's like, yeah, it's like a, like a lot of historical facts, a little historical basis of it. But it's like I said, it's a good alternative version of Lincoln. I mean, like I said, you know, but well, I would say he's like one of the top presidents. <laughs> so yeah, one of the most respected presidents. So definitely something like that. Uh, that's like my one book choice so far. Oh, you be going? Do you want to take any podcasts? Or I would just I don't know. Like I don't because I, I can't think. Of, yeah, I got podcasts as my. Like I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take favorite books. I don't know. I got podcasts on this one too, so I I, I made a podcast sure. on this. So uh, that I want to say that. No, it's because I don't know. I, I can't narrow my five books down because that's a bad thing with books. You can read so much, but then it, even that, I don't. I think I, if it blows my mind that people are able to go back and read the Harry Potter books and not like just be like, ah, I'm just gonna watch the movie because <laughs> like you can only read the book so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but not yeah. I don't know. I would just take I would take a bunch of comic books maybe. Um, some magazines, um... Like, comics oh, was like... I would take, I would take Discworld, the Discworld series by Terry Pratchett, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it's so expansive, and he does such a good job of building his characters, and fleshing out their storylines, and making them have, like, a, a feeling of humanity to them. Um, comics... I just take a lot of Marvel shit, um, main, uh, some Batman, um, some third party ones, like anything by ID would be fun too. Like they should just build a library there. But, uh, yeah, stuff like that is going to throw a lot of it all. And then maybe a couple autobiographies. I've been enjoying reading those stuff lately. So I think, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about any, it could be 
any like an historical figure. I don't know. I I would prefer musicians. Uh, I like an artist's biography because it's interesting to see how they found success through such a, a not such an easy path to follow. But uh, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have anything narrowed down. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think number two, I got like World War Z is my number two. Yeah, I see. Another zombie one. Yeah, because World War Z, honestly, the movie was not bad. I mean, that was a good adaptation of it. Uh, like it took, I mean, problem with World War Z, it, it takes, it takes, it's like so many. Max Brooks did a good job with it, like telling about you know a, a zombie apocalypse, but uh, like from three different perspectives. Like it's like it has like the dates and stuff, so it's like stuff going on in different parts of the world. So it's like like one city. It's not like on one city, not one town. It's just like it's just pretty much people's observations of what's going on, yeah. but they all have one thing in common. So it's like. It's from a pers- like it's like one of those like oh these like interesting stories but there's one single narrative. It's just finding out like it was like either a, a disease that they cause people to go become zombies and it's like you know something like that. But it's like it's like you get to hear from like some like different perspectives from different people basically. It's like you're watching like a newscast basically, and but you're reading like it's like they're ta- they're telling you the story basically. Like these people are t- like the characters are telling you what's going on. Yeah. Which I do like. This is like it bounces from person to person, but it's like, oh, this is happening in California, or this is happening in the other side of the world. Like how they're dealing with an issue and stuff. But like I said, it all follows a single narrative. So definitely been like my number two choice. I think my third choice, being I I love anime and manga, but my third one will be the Sword Art Online light novel series. Um, why? Because um, right now I just got like the, the next two, the the last two long, two books. So now there's 20 books so far, but I think Japan is more. But of course, you know, they got to translate and everything. But um, with that, the series itself is really good. Because I don't think that's something I would not get tired of reading over and over again. Because it's 20 books. I mean, that's going to set you, you know, you can only stop at a certain chapter or something and just uh, take a break or something. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I don't think I'll never get tired of it. Like, I've seen the anime itself and... You know, the anime is well done. They do skip a lot of things from the books, but they try their best, you know, with the pacing and everything. But that's a third, that's the, I'll be my, my third book series. Um, and for me, I got a couple of manga as well. I got um, Dragon Ball, because it was like the first manga I read. Oh, yeah. So I got that. That includes like Dragon Ball Z, so that has that as well, because that was like my first manga that I bought. Because even though I saw the anime first as a kid, but. When it came to like, oh, you can actually buy manga here. Like these book, these anime came from manga. Like for me, I was like, I was a newbie when it came to anime, like a weeb. <laughs> so pretty much, you know, I didn't know that most animes came from mangas. And of course, I went to a bookstore the other day. And all of a sudden, like, I see, oh, Dragon Ball. I'm like, really? It was a book. So I picked it up. I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. And then it got to the point where I start collecting these books. Yeah. And it, it, it started collecting these books and these collections. And it's like. It's actually more interesting by reading it, like, and then watch we going back and rewatching the anime. It was like, huh, this wasn't in the book, or they added so much shit. So it's like, it it, it kind of made you more appreciative to the works. Yeah. So that, that's my fourth and my fifth will be My Hero Academia because that's pretty much everyone's um, favorite right now because that's becoming like this generation's Dragon Ball Z. Like, late 90s, early 2000s, people were, like, Dragon Ball Z Mania was still going strong. Which is still going strong, but back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Toonami came out around that time, they brought Dragon Ball Z. It got people's attention, even though Dragon Ball Z was out in the late 80s. But, 
it brought a lot of attention. Like right now, if you go anywhere, people will recognize My Hero Academia because, you know, with the whole superhero boom and everything. Mm-hmm. And being this is like one of the mangas that actually, one of the few mangas that is dedicated, that's influenced by Western heroes. Because even the creator himself, he said most of his influences were like Batman and Superman reading growing up. And just the whole concept of, you know, 80% of the world has powers or known as quirks. And sometimes you can go to school to help, you know, control it, strengthen it, become a hero, you know, become a licensed hero. And of course, there's people that use their quirks for, you know, for purposes to rob and stuff and everything. And like, and another thing about this series so far, as I read it right now, it's not just, you know, the kids learning. It's like society itself. Because, yeah, people are born with quirks and they got, you're used to it. But at the same time, it's like now there's people out there that are, feel even though they got quirks, they're still being, you know being you know discriminated against and stuff by the people who don't have the quirks but what i like about this is like it kind of dwells into like society as well when it comes to heroes and mm-hmm. villains so kind of like why people become villains why did people become heroes what's their passion what's their desire so that's why this series kind of and it's something that i would take with me and i just to get myself motivated and stuff it's not my books so like you said you couldn't narrow down your choices because no because no because there's so many books that and I've yet to read that I want to read and books I've read that like, to go back and, and to know how much time you uh, just know and then you only have so much light in the day mm-hmm. so that that it's like your brain gets all the elements I'm, I'm thinking too realistically about it but no books wise it's hard for me to narrow it down those are things I just have to keep it fresh it'd be hard alright I think the only thing I got left is like Music and podcast, I mean, movies and podcasts. I think I only got those two things left. So, um, we're gonna take a quick um, break right now, and then when we come back, we'll continue our um, Desert Island game. I think we only have like two categories. Like I said, I decided to do like four categories today. Um, so, we got two more categories to go, and and hopefully, um, you stick around. We might do some trivia later. All right, don't go away. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to take your interviews and podcast episodes to the next level, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Visit poddex.com to get your Poddex today. All right, guys, and we're back. Hope you enjoyed those ads. Um, so we're going back to the Desert Island game. I, like I said, I only have like two categories left. So I'll probably save the movies for last. So we'll go with podcasts. Let's just say we we do a podcast, duh, doy. But it's good to have like you know besides music, it's good to have a break, you know. And like there's podcasts out there that I listened recently that I do enjoy going back and listening over and over again, and. I mean, these could be, like, new podcasts that you barely discovered or, like, ones that have been around for a long time. I will say one of my choices, like, I couldn't rank these because it could be anything. It could be in any order I want because I always jump around. Uh, my first one will be Myths and Legends, which is kind of cool. It's great podcast because um, this guy, like, does a lot of research. He takes a lot of folklore and legends from different cultures I think I left off with the Vikings. He did one with the Arthurian legend as well. So he d- he dwells into different like, you know, 
different like folklore for different countries. He does little side ones too, and it's it's interesting to see where these legends came from, what countries they origin with, and what was the history behind it. Yeah, because it's really interesting, and it's kind of cool for someone that you know stuff they wouldn't hear in school, but at least you get to hear from this gentleman. Um, let me see if I can look it up. Who the person is? Let me get on Spotify real quick because it's on my playlist on my library but I might as well pull this up so that way I can at least give like a little description of what the podcast is let's see my library sorry guys podcast here we go shows you know myth and legends um He's got a lot of episodes, so I like for a fact that they do it like, um, they break it down in parts. And like I said, it goes through, like, there's even one with, there's one where it talks about the, the legend of Aladdin. How it was actually, surprisingly enough, it was actually, um, was an actual Chinese legend. But of course it got into the, uh, nights. Um, it's, it's by, um, the gentleman that created this was by Jason Weiser. Uh, basically, he like I said, he tells myths and legends of what that shape cultures throughout history, mm-hmm. and like stories like Aladdin, King Arthur, Hercules, but with surprising origins. So a lot of these are legends are done by historical origins, but that's what I like because you get to hear like the like the real histories, like almost like the real history of the characters or the legends of it. And like I said, I didn't knew Aladdin was like based off a Chinese like story before it made its way to like the to the Middle East, and it was given a certain twist. Because hearing that story and hear about one of the knights from King Arthur around the medieval times was really good. I think the last time I left off was like the Vikings right now. Like learning that. I think um, I left off. But like I said, each episode is like somewhere like 30 minutes. But I like for a fact that this person breaks it in like in parts. So it's like um, that way it gets you more came from more. So that's like one of my choices. What would be your choice, Pico? For a podcast? Yeah. Um, to listen to So that. one I really enjoy... Uh, because that's a really good history one. Um, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History would be one. Mm-hmm. That guy, if 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 you've never, if you were always bored in history class because, and no fault to the teacher, but there were the delivery of the information that wasn't exciting to you, or it didn't feel like you weren't getting the full picture, or you didn't even weren't given enough time to even really conceptualize how how certain historic events have shaped the way our current societies have. Um, have enacted with each other, interacted with each other through mm-hmm. civilizations. Um, he he does his fucking job, like of just making it exciting, making it fun, providing so much information on certain battles, such as like World War Two, the rise of Hitler. Um, you have the Roman periods. He's done. Uh, he's got like two different ones, but they're like they're they're long episodes, mind you guys. Like he. He, he releases, like, a season on just a specific topic, but it's, like, one or two episodes, but they're super long, but they're so in-depth, and, and there's so much context to provide, and he does such a good job of main, of getting the little, the listener to really stick in and really care to it and really get really try to imagine what he's talking about and, and try to... I guess it kind of gives you that spark of history again, like especially for history buffs out there. Um, 
I feel like if you aren't listening to Dan Carlin, I don't know if you could be call yourself that because he's he's done his due diligence. He's an excellent um, excellent podcaster. He's been around for ages uh, doing his thing, and that's one where I like to revisit on air, like on plane trips. Mm-hmm. I like to listen to his uh, because. You know, your you, planes, you get, you're only reduced to that small space for a certain amount of time, and uh, a good podcast like that, you could you can really sink into because you don't really have to go anywhere. It's hard. I, I find it hard to do it when I'm like walking around somewhere. I couldn't necessarily do that. Yeah, because it's just like it's the same thing with me with the it's a lot of stimulation yeah. going on. Yeah, so because you want to like hear it and like yeah, you really it's like a book. Yeah, you yeah. really want to hone in on on, on information like that and history and. Like, cause you're also trying to get like refresh your memory too on these events, cause stu- stuff is just crammed into our brains, and they never really told us why. They just like, burp, 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 burp. yeah, All like right. that, uh, that's a good choice because honestly, it's like yeah, like I said with myths and legends, like to me, I always yeah. been like fascinated as a, growing up what these legends of these heroes, why they do films about them, why they do like yeah, why them specifically, why that specific. But hearing it from this person's perspective, like like the history and the origins came from, like oh, it's it makes it more interesting. Because like oh I didn't learn this in school so like it's a, like you said because like pretty much like Dan Carlin like he puts a lot of like effort and research to give you like that history that you're not gonna learn yeah because if you go to school they're only gonna give you like one side of the story or from from a certain perspective of here it's like um, these gentlemen do that take their time their due diligence and like research just to show you like, hey you know sometimes the stories that you hear now you know came from other countries yeah so it's really cool so yeah that's a good choice. Um, Number two, I would say, like, Joe Rogan experience. Oh, sure. It's because of the fact that the people that he has on and like these interviews. I mean, I, Joe Rogan, to me, he's okay. But, like, I always listen. Like, I, will, I, will, I don't mind spending hours and hours of listening, you know, because he gets people that you want to hear more from. Like, from like people that, you know, I like for the fact that he brings, like, he brings comedians, he brings athletes, he brings, like, um, politicians sometimes. He brings, like, you know... Move like film celebrities or comedians, fellow comedians as well, and people that you know you want to hear their stories, like or you want to hear what they're thinking right now, what's going on. And honestly, there's so many like episodes you can choose from, and they go on for hours and hours. So you can just like you said, because if you're in a plane, you can always download one episode. Like, hey, your flight's four hours. Hey, he has a four hour episode with this gentleman, this this person. There you go. That's your whole conversation. It's like you're, and it feels like you're in the room with them. Yeah. Because the way it's like, it's, you know, just hearing, you know, from their perspective, what they like to talk about, you know, what they enjoy, you know, what's going on. Like seeing that other, see how the world is to another lens, basically, like, like you said. Like I say, um, like seeing the world to another lens, seeing from another perspective, seeing what they think, you know. And like was the most recent one was the one with Duncan Trussell. That was like a five hour long podcast. It was like, oh my God, five hours. But it's like that could be like your plane trip right there. And, like, that's not bad, too, especially when you're stuck on an island and you want to hear other people. It's like you want to hear other people. So it's like you have to say, hey, this person was like me, too. So it's like people they can relate to, basically. And, of course, him and yeah, Joey Diaz, which is hilarious as well. So that would be, like, my choice because with the whole, like, hey, the whole, yeah, being on a desert island, it's, like, good to hear other people talking, you know? <laughs> so I'll say that would be my, my second choice would be the Joe Rogan experience. What would be yours, Mika? What would be your like number two or second choice? Um, the Brilliant Idiots. Uh, Brilliant Idiots. Charlie and the God and Andrew Schultz. Uh, you're not familiar with them. Charlie and the God of uh, the Breakfast Club radio fame uh, have been around for an 
a big New York staple scene in the hip hop community for years now. Uh, Charlie McGon specifically, he he's been kind. He's been doing radio for over over twenty years now. Uh, he talks a lot about mental health, which I really adore about him, and he's. He actually really has a good book on it because um, he talks about anxiety because he suffers with it a lot. And so he tries to bring, he's all about kind of leading with mental like health awareness and he talks about his struggles and all that stuff. And like, and him and Andrew Schultz are actually really good friends. They they used to do stuff for MTV back in the day and, and they kind of, I guess, met through there. But uh, both, he's from, Andrew Schultz from New York, stand-up comedian, uh, killing it right now on the YouTube game. Uh, he... He kind of he he's been doing stand for a long time now too, and you I don't you if you guys recognize him he he'd come out on MTV shows like um, Guy Code, like those type of things. I think he would do little things on like those uh, like VH1 sometimes like I, I love the eighties like oh that, like a correspondent you know, or something yeah contract to do everything like that. So yeah. like uh, he was doing that and like he was he would do writing for some shows. He used to host like a Danish show too for the MTV. So like he was doing stuff like that and. He, but his main thing is stand-up, and um, he was trying to pitch his stand-up stuff, clips and things like that, to Netflix. So you could build a special out of it, and different platforms, these big mainstream guys, and they wouldn't take it. So what he did instead was he cut up the clips and put them on YouTube. Hmm. gave it to the people, and it garnered him a huge following. He's got, like, 14 million followers now. Oh, wow. Like 4 million or something like that. Now, yeah, he's killing it. And, it. and he's got his own studio for his podcast going. He has this other one called The Flaker 2, which is my favorite as well. I would take those. So I would do like a tandem of those because they're because he's technically in both. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would do a tandem of Flagrant Two podcasts because I love that one the most because they literally just tell they could say it off the cuff however they want like tell like it is none of this like none of this like uh, oh I'm so offended bullshit like really keep it to where like the, the the times we grew up with or like people we still be saying shit and you're just gonna take it like ball busting era like. Man, like, I don't understand how it is now. I don't get it why everyone's so sensitive on certain things and, and they're not sensitive to our actual issues, but here we are, right? Mm-hmm. We're literally talking about, like, I don't know. But I, I love those because they, they also bring in people, their friends who also do stuff in the entertainment industry. They bring mm-hmm. in um, famous people to comedians, like, and it's good because it's all like a group family project. And, um, and if you guys don't know now, uh, Charlemagne, the God, uh, he's a big figure in, in iHeartRadio, like, and iHeartRadio's one of the biggest podcasting networks out there, guys. Uh, so if you guys are new into podcasting or trying to learn more about the podcast um, forum and the industry, and I think iHeartRadio, if you guys if you don't know about that, you should because they're a big player in this space. And uh, he just uh, did a signed a joint venture with them oh, to wow. start his own podcasting network, uh, which he he talks about it a little bit on the Brilliant Idiots, uh, and he talks about like the different things he wants to assess and like what different topics and things that he wants a few programming a few uh, of these podcast channels and, and uh, other LLCs to kind of bring to table so um different things comedy events awareness sports he wants to do it all so like it's great so it's and to really help um african-americans black people in our country really have another outlet another platform to where they can still remain independent and they can be part business partnerships not ownerships so I can see that because that's what we're going to be seeing in this in, in this realm. Um, the big guys are trying to do that. Spotify's doing it. Sirius is trying to do it. They're all trying to snatch up iHeart, being one that they're doing. They just but they do partnerships. And what I loved is that he talked very positively about them because he's been with them over for over ten years. So it's 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 incredible to see that for a guy who's been prolific in that space for hip hop and and for um, the African American experience in this country. Uh, it's it's really incredible to see what 
the success they found, and, and I just love those guys. Those guys are funny as fuck. Like I can, I, I feel like those are guys I can hang out with, and, and, and I just admire them so much. They've inspired me. They inspire me. So yeah, those two brilliant idiots and flagrant two podcasts. If you guys don't know about that, check it out. God, I should get fucking sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't okay. Work. My third. Hopefully, you agree with this one, Biko. Monday morning podcast with Bill Burr. Come on, Bill Burr. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. That's, that's, yes. that's, that's got to be a choice. Come yeah. on, guys. Freaking Bill Burr, man. The he, legend. Honestly, guys, the legend, I would say, because number one, it's like, who would not be funny every time, waiting for anticipation, waiting for Monday to come around because you know he's there. And it's good hearing, like, stuff from his perspective. And, you know, he's why. He, that's another way, too, but especially when you're on a desert island and with Bill Burr, like, at least you know what's going on in the world. Because he gives us, like, unique commentary on still random stuff. Like, he can talk about sports, talk about the news. Like, and I like for Beck, he does, like, the thing where he does, like, an advice kind of column where he gets, like, emails and stuff and tries to give his advice to these people. It's kind of funny. Um, but hitting his own spin and, you know, stuff that he's doing in his life. But it's funny because, like I said, he, especially when he talks about sports right now, how he, especially at this time of pandemic right now with sports, and I think I was listening to a little bit from yesterday, which I still got to finish. I think I'm, like, halfway through. So I didn't get to, like, the, the, you know, the advice column part of his podcast. But he was talking about, like, Tom Brady and stuff and, like, his thing of sports, which is, like, he's, like I said, I watched his comedy special, so he's hilarious. So even to the point that I got our dad to, like, freaking enjoy freaking Bill Burr. I put out a special from Netflix. Then he did, like, in the U.K., and my dad was laughing. Uh, our dad was like laughing, so he was like laughing, like he like he liked them. So yeah, it's like he's not that easy. He's not like big. He, and my dad's like our dad's like not. He likes comedy, but it's like it depends which comedians will make him actually chuckle. And I think what well, kind of I think he kind of liked Bill Burr because he was like he tells about how it is, you know. He's like real. He's like real with people, so that's why. I enjoy, like, that's why I would say, yeah. <laughs> tells it like it is. Yeah, he tells it as it is, and it's, like, cool listening to him every Monday. Just give it his own take of what's going on. So, that, I would say, yeah, that's my third search for Bill Burr. That's something I'll never get tired. And, like, for fact, he does a thing on Thursdays where he'll do a little thing, and he'll usually replay, like, an episode that he loves. Oh, yeah, he's been throwing, like, the classics. The so classics on there, so it's, like. It's nice to check in sometimes. Um, those types, because like I'll sometimes skip, but like I found one from 2012 the other day. I was fucking cracking my head, my ass up. Oh god, look at that one. God, it's 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 incredible to see to hear like the fact that he like these like all these a lot of your people like well for instance like I listen to a lot of comedies com- comedians do their podcasts, but Burr mainly, and it's incredible to hear these guys been doing it for so long. Yeah. Um, but like. Or it's like YouTube. YouTube's been out for since 07, and honestly, I this is I think with the last five years is the most I've been on YouTube, like actually consistently going on mm-hmm. there as opposed to like for uh, previous years, like podcasting the same thing. I like dipped my toes back in like 2012. Yeah, like, I think really, with me, like, I got into more podcasting after that. Yeah, and like I said, that's why I got my inspiration to do this too. So so to see that like. But, like, if people grow and change interests. Like, I never thought I would get into it, but I love it, and I think it's great. But, yeah, that's uh, Bill Burr. Uh, that's the same for me. I would have agreed. Bill Burr That's definitely one I'm going to take over there. Uh, number four, uh, just to give a little variety, I went with um, 8-Bit Saga. Hmm. Um, 8-Bit Saga, pretty much. Um, 8-Bit Saga, like, if you're a fan of Star Wars, but I like I like these podcasts. I do like a lot of these tabletop kind of gaming podcasts. And with Dungeons and Dragons playing a role, like Dungeons and Dragons is big now. 
because I don't know with the pandemic right now and stuff, but it's kind of cool they take that concept, but with a Star Wars twist. It's like they're playing an actual story, uh, and it's cool because it's eight bit saga. It's it's like it takes place in the Star Wars universe. It takes place during like the old Republic days, you know, before you know, so many years before you know Vader and all that stuff. But it's like it's kind of cool because um. The people that are involved, and they're playing a game of D&D, but they're putting life to these characters they create, and it's kind of funny, because it's like a ragtag team of characters from different classes, different, like, you know, races and stuff, so you got an Ewok, you got like a, you know, um, there's only one human character in there who's pretty much a parody of Mark Wahlberg. And pretty much uh, to the point that the guy who, does, who plays him, like, does a really funny, like, Boston accent, so it's kind of funny as hell. Um, and like, there's, I've got, there's so many different races, names and the rate and names of different, um, race aliens and Star Wars universe, but it's like a diverse team and you got an Ewok, like I said, back to the Ewok chub rub who pretty much the only way he can communicate, he has a voice box thing. So he can be able to communicate with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's like a deep voice. <laughs> like it was kind of funny. So it kind of reminds me of um, Jason Michael Richardson, uh, because, uh, because his booming voice as well. Um, so definitely something that because it's a little comedic in there, but it has the whole DNA aspect of they're rolling a dice to see they're doing battles and stuff. But having like these people doing these stories like off the top of their head because it's all one campaign, and right now it's been going on and they're trying to make it work right now with the pandemic and stuff. Even the creator of A Bit Size, him and his um, game master, they're pretty much trying to do their best. They're trying to get this much content done, but you know, while in the pandemic, you know, everyone had to be separated and stuff because of it. But it's something. It's like if you're into Star Wars, into like tabletop gaming, this is something for you guys. Something that you can chuckle and stuff, and it's kind of hilarious. And if you're into Star Wars, because they add like even sound effects and stuff too. It's kind of cool. You got someone making music for them too, so it's kind of cool. They got Grant Plowman who does like their music and stuff for the podcast, so it's really cool. Mm. So definitely check it out. A bit saga, it's called. Uh, what would be like your fourth? Um, I would do my fourth one would be Ologies. Ologies with Allie Ward. Ologies with Allie Ward, and um, she basically just she her, the the focus of her podcast is that she's curious about different types of studies, like scientific studies of things, different things. So like mm-hmm. anything with an ology at the end of it. Oh, like a study uh, of what? Right? Yeah, like the study of something. So, and she covers everything. It's it's been out for a few years now, and um, she covers a lot of things from penguinology to uh, there's oceanology mm-hmm. to beauty standards, which is colology. Colology. Um, all there's an episode just purely on eggs. Like there's everything. She she doesn't a lot of things, and she brings on like legit experts and people who are working in the field. Um, and she's quirky because she. She asks good questions, and then she'll take um, she'll read off Patreon questions too, mm-hmm. and uh, it's they're good listens because uh, she adds her own little sound effects into it. And some people find it annoying, but I, I I don't it doesn't bother me. It's fine. Like I think there's a time and place for that. So yeah, and she, she does a great job, and, and really feels like she has good rapport with the people she interviews too. It really feels like. Uh, uh, like she's enthusiastic about what it is, and it's really cool. Just learning, being fascinated, learning about really different things. Like I didn't, I learned. I think I listened to an episode all about otters, and it was actually incredible. Hmm. They hold their hands with their partner when they're swimming away, so they feel safe. Oh, it's really interesting. They just point them on their backs. Yeah, it's so cute. There's one on sports performance and psychology. So even just with that, it's very interesting. 
but yeah, check it out. It's Allergies with Allie Ward. Allergies. Mm-hmm. Allergies with Allie Ward. Uh, and then, of course, um, number five. This is one of the most recent podcasts, and I'm like a fan of these guys. Honestly, because I caught them on YouTube. Well, I caught one of them on YouTube, and I ended up going back and um, checking out the other the other people's works as well. Because they're all anti-tubers. Um, it's called Trash Taste. And it's kind of funny because it's um, with Joey the Anime Man and Sea Dog VA and Giga. Um, they're three guys who pretty much are friends off, you know, off camera. They all hang out with each other. Um, and they pretty much, they all live in Japan now. So they all came from, um, Joey came from Australia. And then Geek and um, and Connor, they, you know, Sea Dog, they came from the UK. And pretty much they pretty much talk about random stuff in Japan. Um, they're big anime guys because they, they were anti-tubers. I think Connor does a lot, a lot of voiceover work for certain independent projects. And, you know, and plus they're diverse cast because it's like, Joey, the anime man, he's like half Australian, half Japanese because his mom's Japanese. Um, of course, Sea Dog, um, Connor, Sea Dog, who's his name is Connor, he's from Wales, so it's cool to see like a Welshman because it's kind of rare to see people from Wales uh, in media and stuff. And then you got Giga, who's like he's his parents are Thai, but he grew up in uh, in London, in England, so it's like in the UK, so he has that accent. So it's kind of he talks about his like experiences. They, they talk about, like the different experiences growing up. But their mind content is like they love anime and of course the Japanese culture is like one of the things. So it's, it's like they give their own like commentaries on like Japanese culture, and they do like like those those stories about you know their lives growing up. And I kind of like this one episode. It was like the second episode where they talked about how they got to Japan, basically, like their story of how they were able to get over there. And I think they have one with um Chris abroad, who's abroad in Japan. They had him on there in an episode. Um, definitely check it out. I think right now it's up to like 15 episodes right now. It's like, I think it comes out every Friday, but that's something I do enjoy because like I said, I see Joey Anime Man's like videos on YouTube. It's kind of rare to find any tubers. And I think he's one, to me, I think I feel he's one of the guys that got me into reviewing animes and stuff because he gives his own like reviews on it. Hmm. And he gives like recommendations. He does a lot of manga reviews as well and stuff that he finds. I think they and that's kind of cool. And then Connor does a lot of like, um... Because his overviews on animes he likes and saying like they share their hobbies like they share these anime, because they're anti tubers it's kind of rare to find you know and plus being in Japan it's, it's like you're basically they're like your kind of like your eyes and ears over there basically mm-hmm. because if you're curious about the culture and stuff and you want to hear from another person's perspective to actually live in Japan right now that that's your big choice right now is to check it out like this like trash taste podcast and you can actually check it out because it's like the audio version. On Spotify and Google and everything, but they have the video version on their channel, so you get to see what they look like and how their studio is set up. It's really cool. Definitely check out Trash Taste Podcast. That's like my fifth choice. What will be yours? Um, I don't know we're like. Where's the book? Oh, uh, I guess I would do the Vlad TV podcast. Vlad um, TV. Yeah, Vlad. Vlad TV. Uh, he's. If you don't know him, he's on, he's on YouTube mainly. Big YouTube guy. He, he's been interviewing um, different rappers, different people that were in the hip-hop culture, different just different people of notoriety, even throughout history. Uh, based on like that type of stories, like ex-gangsters and that were part of the mob. Just all these different characters. Uh, he interviewed the guy who killed Michael Jordan's father, who was arrested for that too. So like, And he interviewed stand-up comedians as well. Uh, just or different up and coming rappers and, and his channel is big on YouTube. That's like his main source, and he's been doing 
Uh, I, I just, I find these interviews very, just very uh, entertaining, grabbing. I learn a lot and I get to learn a lot about the people, people in the, in the, in the hip hop industry that you kind of learn like more about as artists and he is interviewing. He does answer questions, even tough ones, real things. And they talk about real things. My favorite, one of my favorite comedians, Godfrey comes out there a lot. Like he's really good friends with them and they, He'll come in and like give us two cents and they analyze like recent events like the, the Will Smith and Jada thing was a big deal they were getting covered and they they talk about real shit like and so like he he started his podcast and he starts uploading he uploads certain interviews mm-hmm. up on there and he'll just break them down in parts. Okay. Uh, but that's something I've grown to love and I think it'd be hard if I didn't have access to YouTube or anything like that. It'd be hard for me not to watch those interviews because they're very really good. Um, I, I tend to those are like one of the things that late at night if I'm on YouTube I'll check out and leave on. Because you could just like leave that playing, and you can just listen to it. You know, so I have to watch it. So it's it's kind of works both ways. And and he has so much content that I'm sure he's going to be able to put up there sooner or later to fill up his podcast library. But for the time being, like there's quite enough you can get into. Just um, but you can you can binge it. It's still pretty bingeable. Uh, and I like I like it. It's stuff I'm into. Um, that's another good one that I really like. I think I would take to the island. Okay. And then the last cover we got is on. Uh, Movies? Movies. Of course, my first choice would be Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Scott Pilgrim vs. I know, I keep mentioning it a lot, but honestly, to me, it's one of those cult classics. And like I said, it kind of sucks that I ain't had the opportunity to see it in theaters. I just mm-hmm. came across it because I read the novels first, and all of a sudden I found out there was a film of it, a film adaptation of it. So, of course, it came out on Blu-ray, and I'm getting, no, it came out, I got it on DVD first, and I got it on Blu-ray afterwards. But getting on DVD, me and Bika watched it, we loved it, <laughs> we enjoyed it. Because it's something different. Because it was like, I didn't, like, I read the novels first, and then, like I said, I didn't make the film until later on, because Edgar Wright, who directed, you know, Shaun of the Dead, um, World's End, and Hot Fuzz, and it's like him, and he decided to do this, it's like, so I directed this, and it was really good. I mean, there's a lot of, like, like the comic, the comic itself does a lot of, like, video game influences, so you see that in that film as well. And he got a good cast. You got you had Chris Evans before he became Captain America, so it's like oh, yeah, that's right. Key character Chris Evans, and then um, you got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, you got Michael Sarah, you got Kieran Culkin, you got all these actors in these in this film. You got freaking Brandon Routh, you got um, Brie Larson. <laughs> so it's like you got them making an appearance. You got Mae Whitman, you, know, you got and you got Jason Schwartzman as the big evil ex Gideon. <laughs> so it's like. It was really good. It's like it, like I said, it's one of those cult classic films, which right now it's 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 at that status right now. You know, it's at the anniversary. Mm-hmm. So that'll be my first choice to take. What would be your first be going your for a movie? Yeah. Oh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah, it's one of my favorite getting movies all the time. I watch it at least once a year. Um, I love it. Scorsese, I'm a legend. Uh, I just like it a little more. I, I I just like it a little more than Godfather, but that's just me. I, but I really like Goodfellas, but Godfather is from a different time from me, but I, I just really like Goodfellas because it's just a sound-ass story, and it's just uh, so good. Uh, number two, I had Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh fuck, yeah, same thing. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Guys, come on. Two, the Especially Rings. the extended edition, you got like almost like four hours of each film. I mean, honestly, that's enough to like make the days go fast on the island because it's so long, but I, I'd say if you read the books, you enjoy them a lot more. But with the extended edition, you get the extra stuff that got cut out of the main cut because it's like those movies are long and shit. Yeah. But 
But, I mean, the cast, the sequences, the special effects, especially the costumes they made for the orcs, uh, most of them were all, like, makeup and stuff. It's like, it was crazy the detail they went into that film production. Yeah, they had some CG in there, but to do the effects and everything, especially, you know, the dwarves and the hobbits, just to make, you know, to get actors to stand in for the actors or change the perspective and stuff. Just to show that, that cast, and of course, you know, you had, you know, some American actors in there who had to learn to speak, like, you know, English, because, of course, they were paying homage to J.R.R. Tolkien, who's an English writer. So, and Peter Jackson, that was, like, his first foray into filmmaking, so it's, like, having him to do that project as well, and honestly, that's something that I would always like to enjoy watching over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'll say Lord of the Rings. Uh, that's mine. That's mine, too. <laughs> And of course, Gimli's my favorite guys. Freaking Gimli, dude. <laughs> Him and Legolas when they like they're freaking having a contest of killing like the orcs, and he like tells them, "Hey, look, I got two And then freaking Legolas is like, "Oh, I got four I'm Like four? You're cheating! <laughs> like it's funny. And then and that one part when they're at Helm's Deep where everyone's trying to see what's going on, Gimli's like, he can't see anything. And then Legolas is like, oh, you want me to describe it to you? Or you want me to get you a box? I'm like, what the <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you can tell they always had a back and forth banter because, you know, elves and dwarves, you know? Yeah. It's really good. That's a good series that I can never get bored with. Um, Number three, I had to put some anime in there. <laughs> yeah, I had to go with the Naruto films because I that's the... Honestly, that's like the complete film collection I have, all the Naruto films. Because it was like three of the original series and then... I have like four or five of the Shippuden line. I think I have one of the Baruto line too. Because honestly, Naruto was like my second like manga series following Dragon Ball. And I watched the anime afterwards. Like that, like seeing the films. Because like if you guys, um, mostly anime films are non-canon to the original stories. Um, I think the only one that was kind of like a smooth transition was the uh, last Naruto movie. Or there was one movie. Like, because it gives like the, I mean, they have the original manga creators like the consulting. But it gives like the animation studios something to give like an alternative take or something. Mm. But it's kind of cool. Definitely enjoy the, the three films when he's like a kid. He's still learning to be a ninja. And of course the ones when he's like in the Shippuden times when he's older and stuff. And tries his best to help everybody. But he has that same spunk as he does. But definitely those are the films I definitely would take. Just to you know, have, to, yeah, have anime on there. So, um, What would be your third? Um, I would take... Uh, take Star Wars. Go with Star Wars. Will you go yeah. original trilogy or prequel? Uh, original. Or the uh, new one. <laughs> no, I'll just do that shit. No, I'll just do original. The original trilogy is fine. There can't be enough. That it would already look. It already looks like from a different era, anyways. So like, I would I would take that as an easy take because why not? It's it's fucking Star Wars. It's just all space battles and stuff, and I'm already gonna be delirious on the island. So I would I would pick that. Uh, Star Wars, but not no. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. Maybe I'll take like event one of the Revenge of the Sith. Maybe it's mm-hmm. like extra, but no. The new one can stay at home, right where it should be, <laughs> or it shouldn't have come out. I'm good with all those not being at the island. Oh, but yeah, Star Wars for sure. Okay, now for the Marvel Avenger films. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I could have said that the whole MCU, but it's a lot of films, guys. Yeah. So I would say the Marvel Avengers films because number one, it was like, I mean, I mean, honestly, come on, the Avengers, you know, something that it was so dream, everyone dreamed of back in the day and having, because it was probably could have been hard, 
it's based on you know the times when they kept like they were kept they wanted to develop these movies back in the nineties, but of course you know technology and stuff was still primitive at that time. But able to do that, but able to having the Avengers being the the, first, the Avengers film in two thousand twelve being like the culmination of being pretty much a Marvel Entertainment building a universe, a building a cinematic universe by you know first having you know Iron Man started off, and pretty much you know. Him start off, then having the Incredible Hulk, and then have Thor to have got them like the core four, or even Black Widow making an appearance in like Iron Man Two, so it kind of introduced her as well. But it's like it was a combination of the efforts just playing the seeds until finally it grew up to this big thing, you know, and able to span sequels and adding more and more characters all coming together to fight one, you know, fighting against you know a group or even one villain. But banding together, and it's like one of the thing, and of course, you know, Endgame being like basically almost like the culmination of the whole universe, you know, coming then, and of course, you know, that's something, you know, it's one way like you can watch all four films, and that's something to me I like to talk because it's like you got to see you get to see all these team ups and stuff, mm-hmm. and different lineups and like with, with the end game is like like I said it was like end game was like a big combination of everything that the Marvel sitting universe built over like ever span like a, almost like like pretty much like 12 years so it's like you know, starting back in 08 and 12 years later now it's like we'll see what's going on now it's like we don't know how the Marvel universe is going to shape up because you always see a little bit in Spider-Man Homecoming but it's like we don't know what's going on after that so that would say that would be my fourth choice would be the Marvel Avenger films: Age of Ultron, Infinity War, Endgame, of course, Marvel Avengers. Hmm. So, but what would be like your fourth? Um, I I I'm gonna put. Uh, I really like. Uh, I guess say. Uh, it's kind of hard to pick. Uh, Interstellar. I think I'd throw Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, I would pick a Nolan for my life. Or maybe, in, actually, no, I'm going to throw an Inception. I think Inception is a better movie, but I like both of them pretty much. In certain aspects, they're equal, but uh, I have Inception leaning over it because I think that's the one that's going to age a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just because of McConaughey, I might be a little biased. But I like both. Uh, but Inception is just a mindfuck that don't, if you have to... If you if there's a movie that comes out and that makes you have to rewatch it again just to understand what the hell was actually going on, then that means it doesn't matter. Part of it means it's bad. It's just like I think it's it. It should question you, and I think Inception was Christopher Nolan did a great job with that, making you having to rewatch his movie to try to even understand if it, to make you try to understand the first time, and then you watch the second time, and you think you do understand, but something else. But then you pick up something you notice or like. Mm-hmm. how sometimes the climax you notice this thing or this thing and then you're like oh fuck and I still don't know if he's alive and it's like yeah. I like movies that make you question shit like that and make you talk about it after those, that's what a movie should do makes you talk about things like that and um, I think that one talks I think that one's a little easier to digest because it's more real, like more reality based as opposed to the questions of our the space and time continuum mm-hmm. which I think it's an easier thing to wrap your head around as opposed to whether you're in a dream state or in a live state. Uh, okay. And it's Leo and uh, Josco Lairet. Uh, was name Cillian Barnes? Is that her name? No, it was um, not her. Um, Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, Cillian Murphy was in, in it. Too. Yeah. And then um, um, Ellen Page. Page. So a great cast and in that Tom film. Tom Hardy's in there too, right? Yeah. 
Tom Hardy's in there? I'm pretty sure he is. I thought it was annoying Knight Riders. I'm pretty sure he's in that. Hmm. I think he's one of the guys in the backseat. Uh, pretty sure. But that's an excellent movie. I would throw in that into the island. I'll say my number five would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, I'll say the first two. The first two. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the first two because those are the ones that had like the Jim Henson creature shop. And, I mean, it's not like I did not enjoy the third film. It's just the first film was like, you know, as a kid, it, was, it came out in 1990. I was like four years old. I was excited. I was, I was into Turtle Mania. Turtle Mania was big at that time. And, you know, seeing the, the big turtles on the screen, yeah, but it's like, it it was like those, it was a dark, like, movie. It was a dark take on turtles. It was more like, more in line with the comics. And it was a film that, you know, it went through so, like, the history behind it went through so many different studios until, you know, New Line picked it up, mm. took a chance on it. And it blew up really well because it was like, it took more from the comics. And it's like, how to fit the turtles in a realistic world, basically. It was, it was like, a what if, how to fit them in this world, basically. And I like for a fact that it was great, like the sequences and then the puppetry they made to make the carrot, the turtle costumes. It made them like more realistic, and it was like Jim Henson creature shot that took the uh, time and effort to put it together. And, you know, and getting the right person to play April with Judah Hook, I, I thought she did a great job as um, April O'Neil. Um, of course, you got Elias Coteas playing Casey Jones, which would be cool to see Casey Jones wear a mask because if you watch the cartoon, he never takes his mask off. I remember in the cartoon of the turtles where they got Casey Jones getting a job somewhere. He never takes his mask off. He always wore his mask. It was like crazy. You never seen this face. The only time you all saw his face is like you're in this film or even the 2003 series. You saw his face. I mean, in the comics at least too. But it's like with this, it's like you get to see characters in the comics and even some original characters as well. A fucking shredder, dude. And then of course, you know, you get to see more of the turtles' internal struggles, like the personalities and stuff, kind of kicked in too. And it's like, and it's funny because you can tell it's not the same. Turtles you see in the cartoon because it's like Donatello's, you know he's smart. He doesn't tinker too much with gadgets that much because they're they're barely growing. They're barely, because this introduces them to the world because they're, they're like they're still checking stuff out. They're still curious about the outside world and everything. So, and of course part two, and of course the fight sequences in the first one were really good, especially the turtles fight with Shredder at the end. And then of course in part two, of course they had a, like same creature shop. Jason Jim has still collaborated. Um, with that, they had to go a little bit lighthearted because they wanted, I guess, you know, with violence and stuff. So they instead they had the turtles be a little bit more comedic, more lighthearted, um, using outside props to fight the bad guys, less of their weapons, which it's not bad because it kind of shows the turtles' adaptability to everyday objects. Yeah. And of course, so they introduced Toka and Razar, original, you know, mutants. It was kind of cool, like dudes doesn't only work for the turtles, it works on everything else. Um, and of course, you have Vanilla Ice on there, making the parents on there. And of course, Ninja Rap became one of the hits on the soundtrack of the late early nineties. Um, it's like, and of course, you bring Shredder back, so it kind of does like a quick ball back. I mean, like I said, I would say three. Maybe I'll take three if I want to get bored or want to to go crazy. I would say three uh, um, because you know, yeah, different studio make the turtles. And, um, of course, they decided to go with the whole time travel thing. I think, too, it kind of made me interested with Japan as well, because I was like, my take about ancient Japan as well. Because, hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was Turtles in Time, but it's like, I wish they would have done better. They wanted to call back to ancient Japan, I wish they couldn't, like, the story could have been much written better. But I think at the time where either the studio 
they had a different suit doing the production with it. I wish they could have got Jim Henson Productions to come back to do the Creature Shop. I don't know what effects that company they had. I wish the tour costumes were better. I mean, I'm glad they had the same voice actor. They got most of the same voice actors from Turtles back um, for the film. And, I mean, of course, you had this easy top sequence at the beginning of the movie. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. But, other than that, eh, well, three. And, of course, um, I would add also the 2007 film as well, the animated film. Because I do the animated film kind of like does a callback to all of it, all the films. Because there's a, that one Easter egg that does a callback to all of them. <laughs> And I kind of like the 2007 film because of the fact is there's an attempt to make the Turtles into a CG film. And it kind of shows what the, the, the brothers were up to afterwards. Something will happen and, you know, Raph doing his own thing. Leo took a sabbatical. Mikey and Donnie were doing their best, like, to, you know, make money or survive or something. Michael ends up being a freaking party entertainer and Donatello being a pretty much IT support and Raph doing the whole vigilante thing with Casey. So you got to see Casey Jones again in there. You know, he came out in part three of the Turtles also, but in April as well. And I kind of like that film too because, of course, it was Mako's last voiceover role. If you know who the actor Mako is, um, he was the voice of Uncle from uh, Uncle Iroh from Avatar Last Airbender for the first two seasons. He died midway to season three before replaced by Greg Baldwin. Of course, he was Aku from Samurai Jack. Great voice actor, like great you know Japanese voice actor. And his voice was so mesmerizing, and that was cool when they brought that Splinter because it was good seeing hearing Iroh again. And it's sad enough that that film came out a little bit after he passed away, and I like the fact they do a tribute to him at the end of the film. That is fair. Did that get to his memory? So, so I was, yeah, the Turtle films, I would say three and four, three and 2007. I would say, I call it Turtles 4, TNT Turtles 4. So, I'll go this far. I'm not going to put the Paramount. Reboots. I'm sorry, guys. I, mm. <laughs> we'll see how... I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Seth Rogen and his company does with the reboot. Hopefully, he does, I heard he said he's going to try his best to go with the comics. It's probably not going to be that. So, we'll see. What would be your last choice for films? I don't know if you want to take it to an island, Mika. Um, I want to say... Oh, it's hard to narrow it down. Actually, I guess I take the Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Yeah, it always warms my heart after I see it because it just takes you back to high school. How terrible it was! How terrible! Yeah, no, that was fun. I feel like that that movie's classic and it's never gonna go away. I I think it's pretty cool um, that it was. uh, It kind of. Cater to what kids feel in high school, like the different types of expression and what they go through, and, and happen to be people who don't really, really hang out with each other at all. So it's, it was nice to see, like it kind of ended up all really getting close and being friends, no matter what, uh, even with their differences, and even though they all shared the same thing of having to be stuck in school on a Saturday for detention with an asshole principal uh, on a power streak, but. It's always been a movie that I've loved and I've always watched throughout the years and, and it's something that's been, uh, I would hope it's going to still get brought down a generation after generation. I wish and I would hope that they don't start doing reboots or remakes of John Hughes movies. They'll be pissed. Oh, because I know. Really leave that alone, guys. Leave that alone. Hollywood, Hollywood, if you're listening, please leave those alone. Leave those they classics alone. Will, but 
Okay. I mean, they're already doing Home Alone TV series, so they pretty much kind of. Unless they don't, unless they don't give Macaulay Culkin to come out in the reboot of Home Alone, I'll be upset. That. Should at least have Max. At least he's the parent in that one, you know. Yeah, it'd be cool because I know he did that commercial for Google Home, which was kind of hilarious. It would be nice when he did the Google Home commercial. That was kind of cool. Yeah. But they hopefully they do approach him at least make a cameo or something, you know, be the parent or something in, the, in that series. We'll see how that works. But all right, that's it for the Desert Island games. Like, if you guys have any choices, if you agree with the choices that we made, or you have opinions, you can also follow us on Twitter at Pod Talking. You tweet us your Desert Island choices for like movies, books, podcasts, or you know, or like music. If you want to tweet us those choices, it'll be kind of cool to read those on like on the next episode too of the podcast. See what your choices are. Um, you can also do it on our Facebook page. You go to facebook.com/slash talk and pop. You can check out, you can post your choices on there as well. Um, or that, I think it's my turn to answer random trivia this week, or was it your turn? I know we had our buddy Ivan do it last week. Is your turn to answer? Alright, cool. So I know we got a few minutes left. Let's get this. Let's see how much I can put in. Let's see. Look at random trivia. We like, like, we used, the guys are laughing when we started doing random trivia from this one website called random trivia, random trivia generator.com. It's kind of cool because they take different categories. So, like I said, we want to, like, put our brains to the test. And it kind of makes us, like, learn certain things that we, oh, we weren't that sure before. So you want me to go under general or? Doesn't matter. Oh, you want to do geography? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Oh, we'll go under entertainment since we are a pop culture podcast. We'll do entertainment. All right. Okay. Question number one: Who had a hit song? Who had a hit with the song "Manana"? Manana. 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 I have no fucking idea. Oh, he's probably not going to get this one. No. It was Pier- Piero Umelani. Mm. What? That is weird. Okay, what is Biff's last name in the Back to the Future movies? Bannon. Hmm? Uh, Biff Bannon, isn't it? Mm-mm. I thought it was Biff. Yeah, it was Biff, but... Clyburn? Nope. I don't know, what? Biff Tannen. Tannen? Oh, okay. Mad Dog Tannen and... Bart- wow. Whatever. Okay. What movie did rappers Ice Cube and Ice-T star in? Ice... I, wait, what movie did Ice-T and who? What movie did rappers Ice Cube and Ice-T star in? What? I guess we're in a movie together? Huh. I didn't know that. What the hell? Uh... Boys in the Hood? No? Uh... Poetic Justice? Nope. No? I don't fucking know. Trespass. Never heard of it. You gotta know this one. What actor played the movie character known as The One? Oh, Neo. Keanu Reeves. Yep. Let's see what I want to pull. Oh, what was the colorful nickname of elderly frat member Joseph Pulaski in the 2003 film... Old school. Wait, what? What was the colorful nickname of elderly frat member Joseph Pulaski in the 2003 film Old School? Uh, boy Blue, right? Blue, yeah. <laughs> My boy Blue! <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. 
That's a good one. What? Why did The Simpsons go to New York? Why did The Simpsons go Remember to New York? Remember it was an episode Homer vs. the City of New York? Why they went there in the first place? Jesus Christ. Oh. I, I don't think they hardly show that episode that much anymore yeah, because of the Trey Center. The Trey Center. Um, but I think they started doing it again recently. I don't know. I don't know. It was a retrieval lost car. Remember Barney took his car and he got drunk and left it there in New York. Wow. Not yet. Um. Yeah. Oh. What cartoon by Mike Judge in the 1999 film Office Space based on? Dilbert. Nope. Wait, what, what book? What, character, what cartoon by Mike Judge is the 1999 film Office Space based on? Cartoon? Yeah, I think he did like, like these short cartoons. These shorts before he did like... Far you know, side? I don't remember. Oh, uh, it was Milton. That was a stapler. <laughs> oh, okay. Damn. Let's see what... Hmm. Oh, yeah. Try to think what one you probably will pick up right away. Hmm... Obviously, okay. What are you seen? In the movie Clockwork Orange, Alex DeLarge drank what? I don't know if you've seen this film, Clockwork Orange. Milk. Milk? Mm-hmm. Milk Plus? Okay. Yeah. Okay, you got that one. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, you gotta know this one. Who played the role of TV's DJ Tanner? Oh, um... <clears throat> um... Uh, uh, Candace, uh, Candace Cameron. There you go. Of the Camerons. Okay, this one. John Simon Ritchie became famous as who? John Simon Ritchie? Yeah, became famous as who? Guy Ritchie? I don't know. Sedicious. Oh, that's his full name? I don't fucking know that. What actor was known as the Fonz? Henry Winkler. Nice. Alright, I think we can do we got time for one more. Uh Okay. Which song by the Who did CSI Miami use in its opening credits? Who are you by the Who? Nope. Wait, isn't the CSI? CSI Miami. Oh Miami? Mm-hmm. Oh for fuck's sake. Well who song? Teenage Wasteland? Mm-mm. Or Bob O'Reilly, I'm sorry. Nope. My Generation? Nope. Give you one more chance. Pinball Wizard? Nope. Good songs, but nope. Uh, Won't get fooled again. Oh. He's like the opening riff. Oh, just the riff? What? Like the few minutes of the song, yeah. That's stupid. No. I wouldn't have known. I don't even watch this, I... I know, but I guess they... Okay. Okay. Here's one you pipe. Well, I'll give you a bonus one. Just a, uh, what band sang the song during the opening and closing credits in the film The Breakfast Club? Oh, uh, Simple Minds. There you go. Oh, no. All right. So that's it, guys, for this week. Hope you enjoyed our Desert Island game. Hope you enjoyed this episode 80 of the podcast. Uh, like I said, you can check out our backlog of episodes 
on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your uh, podcast fix. You can check out our merch store at teespring.com. Look for us under Talking Pop. We got shirts and merchandise. Just, got, just let you guys know, I started making new designs. They'll be coming soon to Teespring. I made a Beagle shirt, a Fonchise shirt, and I made one with our mascot, the Popstronaut. And I also have one um, with pretty much my closing phrase, which I'm about to say right now. It, guys, take care of yourselves. Be safe as always. Geek on and take care. We'll see you again next week. Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise of Biko. Just letting you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs, and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Pops or Not logo on there. Also, we have stickers, so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.